Welcome to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. I think we, wait, hold on. Monday would have been 16, Tuesday, 17, 18 on Wednesday. So we're on episode 19, and I'm not even going to get into the plugs because I'm a little fired up. I just spent the last hour on the phone trying to figure out why the fuck I'm having a hard time getting data using Sprint. And yes, I know Sprint isn't the best service. I get it, guys, but I went for a cheaper plan. But that that's no excuse. If I'm paying for a plan, I should get the same amount of service 24 hours a day. I called them. They were having no outages, and their excuse was, hey, guess what? We have downtimes during rush hour traffic if you live somewhere near a highway. And guess what, guys? I pay the same amount every single hour of the day. So if they can't provide me that service 24 hours a day, then you should be charging me less. I'm just being serious here, guys. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I'm just using logic, guys. Doesn't it make sense? If you can't offer me the same amount of service 24 hours a day because you're charging me 24 hours a day, then that means you should be charging me less. I spent a fucking hour on the phone with these dumbasses. The first woman that I spoke to, Jessica, I could tell she was an American. She was absolutely true blue United States of America American. She was American. Very lovely, very pleasant. Helped me out a lot. Gave me a $50 credit on my next bill. Is sending me a Wi-Fi hotspot that they're not even going to charge me for to help me out with my data because I've been a customer with them for so long. Then they tell me, this is the thing with Sprint, guys, is that they charge you. You you don't really buy the phones outright when it comes to Sprint. They charge you a monthly bill. And like, for example, I think mine's around $25 a month for two years, and then it pays off the phone. But with Sprint, no, 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 that's not how it works. You don't get to keep that phone after two years. They charge you month to month the same amount. And then to find out that I could be getting a new phone for the same price that I'm already paying for month to month. These assholes did not tell me about this. Yeah, they should have told me about this. So I was trying to get a new phone. I pay $150 a month. I'm on a family plan. I pretty much take care of the bill. My parents uh, chip in. But they were saying that my bill was close to $200 a month with this new phone. And I was like, no fucking way it's not. There's no way it is. So I told them I wanted to talk to a manager. I demanded to speak to a manager. And you know what they told me? After about 20 20 minutes of me waiting to talk to a manager, they told me that they can't get me a manager. You want to know the excuse why they told me they can't get me a manager? Because of the goddamn coronavirus. And I told them, well, guess what, guys? I'm paying the same amount all the time. If you can't provide me with a manager to speak with, I demand a cheaper bill. I know I'm probably being difficult. I know I'm being difficult, but damn it, these people, they hold you over a barrel and they think that you have no choice. Yes, you have a choice. You do have a choice. If you push hard enough, you can get what you want. So after them not being able to provide me with a manager, they passed me along to another person in customer service. And this is where the problem lies. I 
from the start of this phone call when they connected me to customer service, I could tell this guy that I was speaking to was not from this country. And I was just going out on a limb. I could have been wrong, but I said, hey, guy, please. And I'm being respectful the whole time because I know these customer service people are just doing a job and they can't help that the the service is so goddamn shitty. So I'm pretty respectful to these customer service people. But I said, hey, man, can you just be honest with me? I'm not going to say anything, but can you just be honest? Are you even in this country? Where where are you at right now? Who am I talking to? And the guy, after a little bit of hesitation, he says, the Philippines. And I'm like, uh, I didn't understand him at first. I said, the Philippines. And he said, yeah, the Philippines. And I'm like, all right, no disrespect, man, but I would just feel more comfortable. And I think I could get way more done if I went directly to the Sprint store. But that's the thing about it with this goddamn coronavirus right now. I don't want to go out. I don't want to be in public if I don't have to be in public. But I feel like the only way that I can resolve this problem and feel confident that the problem is going to be resolved is talking to somebody in person. I don't know. Am am I overreacting, guys? I would like to hear from you. If you could email me, Tuttle, that's Tuttle with two Ds, T-U-D-D-L-E at gmail.com. I would like to hear from you. I want to hear from you. Am am I going overboard? Am I not being, like, reasonable? I feel like if I'm paying for a service, I should be able to get customer service and I should be able to talk to a manager anytime that I want to. And yes, you gave me the excuse of, of the coronavirus. We're all dealing with the coronavirus right now. You sit in a cubicle not having to deal with anybody. So what does the coronavirus have anything to do with me not being able to talk to a goddamn manager? And for you to give me the excuse of, I, I'm going to have slower data because of rush hour traffic. That's not fair. You guys are charging me the same 24 hours a day. So if you can't provide me the same type of service for those three or two to three hours during rush hour, then you should be charging me cheaper. I just think that these companies are completely taking advantage of the average everyday American citizen. And if you push back and fight them a little bit, I think that you can get what you want. They don't like being called to task. They really, really don't. So I'm sorry, I digress. But please, I'd like to hear from you and get some feedback. Was I being a dick or was I justified in the way that I acted? Email me, Tuttle, Tuttle with two Ds, T-U-D-D-L-E at gmail.com. All right, moving on. And I, I'm going to say this once. I know that I'm about to piss a lot of people off. And it, this just needs to be said. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to call me out and say that I'm overhyping all this stuff. And and I really don't think that I am. I really, really don't think that I'm overhyping this. But a lot of these talking heads, a lot of people on social media, and, and I'll call it out. I, I love you, Longwood. I love you, Gary. But you're completely wrong on this. Why is everybody making this 
coronavirus a political thing. If you're overhyping it, you're 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 accused of being against the Republican Party. You're overhyping it. You're trying to blame Trump and and make this a political thing. It's not. Did you guys listen to the president speak last night? Your fearless leader, the one that you blindly follow and and let me see God. This is the thing about this. I have to preface everything that I say because if I say something People are going to accuse me of being anti-Trump. Or if I say another thing, they're going to accuse me of being anti-Democrat. I'm not either. I will say this again, and I've said it many times. I do not support any political affiliation. I vote. I vote. I vote for the lesser of every evil. And I don't mean to use that cliche, but I do. I do not support any politician because, in my opinion... All politicians, they do not give one flying fuck about anybody. All politicians are crooked. They are all beholden to the lobbyists that donate to their campaigns to get them get them elected. So do they really care about you? No. Yes, they may do some things to help you out. They can't be complete absolute crooks. They got to do some things good just to make you believe that they're doing things good. All presidents come out of office richer than what they were before. You want to know why? Because they do favors for people and people do favors for them. It's a big case of I scratch your back, you scratch mine. They don't really care about the American people. They do just enough to keep us happy, people. But even your own president, Trump, the guys, the Republicans that are so hardcore wearing, wearing the red MAGA hats, you follow him so blindly and you think that he does nothing wrong. Even him last night said, stop making this a political issue. It needs to be partisan or not be partisan. It needs to be bipartisan. So any of you guys that say that I'm overhyping this because I'm anti-Trump, even your orange leader told you not to make this a partisan uh, deal. This is about the American people. So I'm not blowing this out of proportion, but it's the people that aren't taking this seriously is why this disease is going to become a problem, guys, because you're not taking it seriously. And people are like, well, you know what? I wash my hands. I, I don't touch my face. Guess what, guys? This this disease is airborne. You can be in the room with anybody breathing air, sneezing or coughing. You're going to catch it. It can live outside the body for really, really long periods of time. So washing your hands is not going to keep you safe. Yes, it'll help. I will say that. It will help you. But this is an airborne disease, okay? Now, for the people that are telling me that, oh, well, you know, the flu kills more people than er, than this coronavirus. Yes, yes, you're correct. But you know what? The coronavirus has not affected as many people as the flu virus at this moment. From all the research, and, and, and I'm about to play you a clip from Michael Osterholm, who is a, a, an infectious disease investigator. He does this for a living. And the reason that I believe him, yes, he does have a book out, so maybe he's promoting his book. But in my opinion, my feeling, this guy had no agenda. And, and I've posted this on, on social media of Michael's appearance on Joe, Rog- Joe Rogan's show, and everybody's saying, well, he's a 
fear monger. He's just trying to push his agenda. I believe this guy. He seems sincere. And some of the stuff he is talking about is fucking scary as hell. And for the people that are saying, well, the young people, they can catch it, but people are bouncing back. Guess what? It makes you an insensitive asshole. You want to know why it makes you an insensitive asshole? Yes, you may survive it, but you're still a carrier. Think about your loved ones, the people that are old and have secondary health issues. Those people can't fight it. How would you feel if you had that view and you're like, I'm not afraid of this disease? Yes, you catch it. You survive it. But what happens if you bring it bring it home to your loved ones or the people you care about, your family, your friends, and they die from it? You're going to feel like a real asshole if they die because of your dumb ass views on this, believing that people are hyping this up. Yes, I do believe that the media is hyping this up and, and I'm going into it and I don't want to lay all my opinions out on the line because Michael Osterholm on, on the Joe Rogan show pretty much lays it out. So let me play a little bit of this of you, uh, for you. I'll start and stop, but I just wanted you guys to hear it. Uh, so here is Mike Osterholm on the Joe Rogan show. Well, first of all, you have to understand the timing of it in the sense that it's just beginning. And so in terms of what hurt Pain, suffering, death has happened so far is really just beginning. Did you hear that, people? Just beginning. And Michael will later on in this clip explain to you that this is not going to be something that's going to go away in a month. We're in this for the long haul, people. You're, he's 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 expecting anywhere from four to six months. So just be prepared. Things are going to get worse. Um, this is going to unfold for months to come yet. And so this really is acting like an influenza virus. Did you hear that, guys? For the people that are saying that flu, which is called influenza, is it's exactly like an influenza. He's not saying it's really worse or any better, but he's saying it's practically the same thing, guys. Something that transmits very, very easily through the air. We now have data to show that you're infectious before you even get sick. And in some cases, quite highly infectious. Just breathing is all that you need to do. So for all you people that are saying, oh, I wash my hands, I don't touch my face, I'll be okay. Guess what? Doing you no good. It's airborne, people. It is airborne. So if you're just around a person, means you're, you're, you're very likely to get it. I mean, I'm not saying you're going to get it, but you can get it no matter how much you wash your hands or not touch your face. So from this perspective, I can understand why people would say, well, wait a minute, flu kills a lot more itself every year than this does. And I remind people this just is beginning. Probably the best guesstimate we have right now on what limited data we have is say this is going to be at least 10 to 15 times worse than the worst seasonal flu year we see. <sighs> I know people are going to say, oh, he's being a fear monger. He's giving you false information because he's trying to push his agenda. This guy's been doing it for years. He's worked with some of the biggest politicians in America. So I believe him more than any talking head you're going to see on MSNB, MSNBC or CNN or Fox News, this guy is being real. He's not trying to scare you. He's trying to give you the facts. And I think that's what the American population needs is the facts. You are a complete sheep 
dumbass if you believe that the government's going to actually tell you how bad this thing really is because you want to know why yes the stock market is tanking right now but they're not going to tell you how really bad it is because if they told you how really bad it is the stock market would shit the bed even more 10 to 15 times worse in terms of fatalities yeah or- yeah and, and just illness in fact i just i brought some numbers we uh, conservatively estimate that this could in, uh, require 48 million hospitalizations, 96 million uh, cases actually occurring, over 480,000 deaths. 480,000 deaths. Did you hear that? And he said conservatively. 480,000 deaths. Uh, yeah, that's going to make the flu seem like a pussy. That can occur over the next three to seven months with this situation. So this is not one that to take lightly. And I think that's what I can understand if you say there's only been 10 deaths or 20 deaths or 50 deaths. Just remember, two weeks ago, we were talking about almost no cases in the United States. And now that we're testing for it and watching the spread as it's unfolding, uh, those numbers are going up astronomically. And I really do believe that we don't know the true amount of infected people here in the United States because we're not testing everybody. Bike week is going on in Daytona Beach. And yes, they tried to say, oh, well, an infected got into Daytona Beach. He didn't make it there, but I would be absolutely shocked with the amount of people that travel here to Daytona Beach that we won't have a couple of cases of the coronavirus come out of Bike Week 2020. Three weeks ago, Italy was just living life just fine. Now they're literally in a virtual shutdown in the northern parts of Italy. Yes. In fact, that's the primary risk factor for dying is being old and then having certain underlying health problems. For example, in China, uh, those men over the age of 70 who also smoked were 8 to 10 percent of them died. 65 percent of older Chinese men smoke. The uh, case fatality rate or the percentage of people who die in women in that same age group was only about 2 percent. In that mm. case, w- very few women smoke. Now, the challenge we have is that that's the Chinese data. But there are a series of risk factors that we worry about that if they overlay on this disease are going to cause bad outcomes. And we happen to be right at ground zero for one of the major ones here in this country, and that's obesity. Uh-oh. All those people that say, oh, I'm young. I'm not going to die from this. I don't care how young you are. If you're fat ass and you're overweight, guess what? United States has more obese people than any country in the world. We are by far the fattest country in the world. And guess what? That means we're going to have a shit ton more of deaths because we got a lot of fat fucks here in the United States. Uh, We know that obesity is just like smoking in terms of its ability to really cause severe life-threatening disease. And 45% of our population today over the age of 45 in this country are obese or severely obese, and there's men and women. So one of the concerns we have is we're going to see more of these, uh, what I guess I would call very serious and life-threatening cases occur in our country because of a different set of risk factors than we saw in China. Now, you mentioned that there's some sort of an incubation period before people become sick, they're still contagious. What is this incubation period and how do we know about it? When we call something an incubation period, we're talking about from the time you and I got exposed, meaning I was in a room breathing the air that somebody else who was infected uh, what the virus was expelling out, I breathed it in. How long from that time period till the time period that you get sick 
And what is that? It's, that's what we call the incubation period. So that's when case numbers can double or triple in every so many days. In this case, it's about four days. So, And we actually have data there from people who are exposed one time or one time only. And we know when they were exposed, where they were exposed, and how soon do they get sick afterwards. So the chauffeur in the car where an individual was sick or showing symptoms, then the chauffeur gets it four days later. So you know what that means, people? Even though you're not showing symptoms and you don't think you're sick, you're still infecting others. That's why this disease is so dangerous. You know what? With the flu, you guys keep talking, oh, the flu is so much more dangerous. Guess what? You have symptoms with the flu, then you're contagious. Yes, you might be a little bit contagious beforehand, but they say you're extremely contagious before you even know you're sick from the coronavirus. That's why this stuff is getting out of hand. Plus, we have not the testing kits, so we don't know who has it or not. And, you know, we're going to be in this for a while. This is not going to happen overnight. And I worry. I keep telling people we're handling this like it's a corona blizzard, you know, two or three days. We're mm-hmm. back to normal. This is a coronavirus winter. And we're going to have the next three months or more, six months or more, that are going to be like this. And, you know, so far this thing has been unfolding exactly as we predicted it. We and our center put out a piece uh, on January 20th, and said this is going to spread worldwide. At the time, people said, ah, no, it's just China. We put out a piece the first week of February and said this is going to pop probably the last week of February, first week of March, because what happens is it has what's called an r naught or a doubling time of, of, of these every four days, so two, two, it increases doubling every four days. So if you go from 2 to 4 to 8 to 16, it takes a while to build up. But when you start going from 500 to 1,000 to 2,000 to 4,000, that's what we're seeing happen in places like Italy, we're beginning to see it in some ways up in Seattle. It's what happened in China. So, yeah, guys, for you people that say, oh, it's not that bad here in the United States, every four days they're talking about the pace, the patients and the infected doubling. And and just think about it. One person affects two people. That two turns into four. That four turns into eight. That eight turns into 16. It keeps doubling nonstop. That's why it's so horrible because we don't know if we have it or not. And, uh, you know, when people are confronted with that, suddenly this low risk phenomena that everybody talks about isn't so low anymore. And that's what we need to prepare people for. First of all, um, let's step back. The primary mechanism for transmission is just the respiratory route. It's just breathing. Um, as far as what can public health do, we're not gonna, we can talk about this. We're not going to have a vaccine anytime soon. That's happy talk. Um, what we, you know, we can close schools. One of the big challenges we have right now, if we close schools, what do we accomplish? In influenza virus, when you, we close schools during outbreaks because it turns out kids are, get infected in school and they're like little virus reactors. You know, they come home and they transmit it to mom and dad and brothers and sisters. And uh, so we close schools sometimes. And Christmas breaks are always great for kind of putting the dampening effect on flu. In this case, kids are not getting sick very often at all, which is one of the really good news features of this disease. In t- China, only 2.1% of the cases were under 8, 19 years of age. And Why is that? You know, we don't completely know. Uh, and, and I'm going to come to that in a second because they're getting infected, it turns out. One study showed that they still get infected with the virus, but they don't get sick. So do we close schools or not if we're not really spreading the disease? Because it turns out that if we close schools, we, uh, a recent study done showed that 38% of nurses today in this country who are working in the medical area have kids in school. And if suddenly we're closing schools for two or three months, who's going to take care of those kids? One-fourth of the American population has no sick leave. 
If we close schools, they don't get paid if they have to stay home. See, that's what people are not thinking about, the secondary problems. Yes, this disease is not as bad maybe as the flu. Yes, the flu kills more people, but people are absolutely forgetting about all the secondary problems. Uh, Mike uh, talks about it, and I don't think it's in this clip, but do you realize that there are over 640,000 Americans that are suffering from renal failure? which means they need a drug. They need a simple medication to survive on a daily basis because if they don't take it, guess what? They die. And guess where that drug comes from? Where America gets it from. The only place we get it from is China. And guess what? There's no imports coming from China at this point right now. So we're not able to get that drug. What happens when the people that need that drug can't get that drug? They're going to die. Yes, they're not going to die from the coronavirus, but technically they're kind of dying from the coronavirus. So yes, the coronavirus is killing more people than the flu. So when you ask what can we do, we have to really be thoughtful about what we do. Are we doing more harm than good by closing schools, for example, even though everybody will say, oh, we got to do everything we can. Or do we just tell people, you know, it's going to be limiting your contact as much as you can. And that's really about what we can do. You know, we are uh, not prepared at all in the sense, you know, I uh, wrote the book, um, Deadliest Enemies, that was published in 2017. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Go get it. No. And panic. In uh, chapter 13, the title of the chapter was SARS and MERS, a harbinger of things to come. You know, we predicted this. And then I wrote a chapter on there what a flu pandemic would look like if it emerged in China. And if you read it, it's exactly what's happened. The supply chains went down. China locked down the country. It spread to other countries. People all pointed fingers. And, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where we hear it and hear it, but we don't get prepared. You know, five years ago, I gave a talk at the Mayo Clinic. Uh, first time I talked about this, I talked many times afterwards. And I showed a slide of Puerto Rico, a picture of Puerto Rico. And then I showed the map. And then I showed a picture of a building in Puerto Rico, a nondescript building. And I said, this is our next big disaster. Turns out that 85% of all the world's production of IV bags, the saline that we need desperately, were made in these plants in Puerto Rico. And all we needed was one, one Category 5 hurricane to come through and take it out. Maria came through a year and a half ago, and the world went into a major crisis with a shortage of IV bags. Now, that was so obvious that was going to happen. And yet we don't prepare. After this is all said and done and we get past this coronavirus, Trump needs to get out there because he's all about bringing jobs back to America. We cannot consider ourselves a superpower on earth if we are beholden to other countries for medication. We just can't do it. Just like with the space program, we've been relying on the Russians to be able to get up to the space station. We cannot be that country. What happens if Russia tells us to go fuck ourselves? We can't get up to the space station. Yes, I know Elon's working on the SpaceX and sending people up, but you're talking a year away maybe. I could be wrong on those numbers, but it's going to be a little while. So we need to bring that back to our country right now in in case of stuff like this happens. Guys, look, Mike says this in some other interviews that I watch, okay? If we spent 1% of what we spend on the military budget, we would be okay. We would be prepared for this type of pandemic. And yes, it's a pandemic. The WHO, the World Health Organization, have said it's a pandemic. If we spent that money, we would be prepared. 
prepared. Like he gave he gave an example. Does the United States military wait to build an aircraft carrier when war comes around? No, they do not. They don't do that. They build aircraft carriers. They build jets, tanks, missiles, rockets, warheads. They do all that before war ever comes around. Why are we not doing this when it comes to viruses? This virus is crippling us right now economically. We, our, our stock market is in the tank. Our stock market will be below 20,000 points by the end of this week. A month and a half ago, it was close to 30,000. That's a 10,000 drop just in a month and a half, people. And it's all because of a simple virus, a microscopic virus is bringing this nation down to its knees right now. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's the media hyping it up. The evil media, the liberal media is bringing us down. Yes, the liberal media is biased towards Trump. But guess what? Fox News is very biased when it comes to Trump. Why don't they have other people with opposing views on their TV show. They don't. They don't know how to work. If they knew how to work, I would be booking people with opposite views all the time on my show because that's good entertainment broadcasting-wise is having two people on having opposing views, but they don't. They're pushing the agenda. They only have pro-Trump people on. But guess what? MSNBC and CNN does the same exact thing. So you can't throw it either way. You can't show throw shade at either side because they're both guilty of doing the uh, doing the same exact things that the others are accusing them for. That's so foolish. I know. I agree. And that's what hopefully this is a wake up call. The business community, I hopefully will wake up. You know, one of the other things we're doing right now, uh, Joe, this is really one of the things that has me most concerned about this whole situation is our group has been studying for the last year and a half uh, with support from the Walton Family Foundation, um, looking at critical drug shortages. It turns out that we identified 153 drugs in this country that people need right now or they die. I mean, it's on the crash card. It's acute critical drugs. 100% of them are generic. All of them basically are made offshore of the United States. And a large part of them are made in China and India. And at this point, we have shortages anyway every day, just before this crisis happened. Now these supply chains have gone down. Our group is actively helping the United States government try to figure out, you know, where they're going to get these drugs. Now just think of this. If I came to you and said the Defense Department was going to outsource all its munitions production to China, you'd look at me and say, come on. You know what? The U.S. Defense Department has no more access to these drugs than anybody else. They are beholden to China for these drugs. 690,000 Americans have end-stage renal disease right now. Most of their primary drugs are coming from China. And now with the shutdown and what's happening with this, and this is what I talked about in the book, why I was so concerned, because we are at risk. All right, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I know that I got a little fired up. I like to keep things fun and, and entertaining, but I just needed to get this out. I think people are not taking this too seriously. I see both sides. Yes, the media is hyping it up. Yes, uh, I think people aren't taking this seriously, seriously enough. But guess what, guys? What does it hurt to be prepared? I think a lot of people aren't getting prepared because they're afraid of being shamed of of taking things too seriously. Guess what, guys? You idiots that don't prepare, where are you going to be at whenever the stores are empty and you can't get anything because people have already bought up stuff? And guess what? 
I'm sorry, I may be overprepared, but I've got my guns ready and locked and loaded. You want to know why? What's going to happen when the stores, maybe, I'm not saying it's going to get that bad, so please don't think I'm hyping stuff, but what's going to happen if the stores are empty? You know what's going to happen when people can't get the stuff that they need to survive? They're going to come to your house and they're going to try to take it. Um, I haven't watched The Walking Dead in years because I thought the show absolutely jumped the shark, but the early years of The Walking Dead absolutely broke it down to its basic forms. I'm not comparing this disease to a zombie apocalypse, but the most dangerous thing when all hell breaks loose, if it does, if it does, I'm not saying it's going to, but if it does, the most dangerous thing are your fellow Americans because people get desperate. People get really desperate because you want to know why? If they can't go to the stores to get the food that they need, they're going to come to you and they're going to try to take what you have. And yes, the government will eventually step in and protect you, but you can't expect that all the time for the government to protect you because they're not going to be there all the time. There's going to be a period where you're going to have to fend for yourself. So yes, I'm getting prepared. Yes, am I being overcautious? Yes, I'm being overcautious. But why? Why not? What does it hurt to be cautious? It doesn't hurt anything because if some asshole wants to come to my house and get what I have, they're going to have to fight for it. That's all I'm saying. So be prepared, guys, because I care about every single one of you. I love you. You guys are like family to me because you listen and you support everything that I do. So please, guys, be safe. Take this seriously. Don't take it too seriously. Don't let it freak you out. There's ways to protect yourself. If you're careful, you won't catch this. You won't catch this if you're careful. But just don't go around living life willy-nilly, going to large crowds like Bike Week in Daytona Beach right now. It's unnecessary. You don't need to go there. Why take the risk? Yes, you might be young. You might be in shape and you might be able to fight this disease. You might get it. You might get healthy again. But why take the chance? You can still be a carrier and bring it back to your loved ones, your friends and family. And how bad would you feel if you're the reason that somebody dies because you are an asshole and you didn't take this seriously? Just be cautious. That's all I'm saying, guys. All right. I love you guys. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I'll get back to normal. I'm sorry about being late because I went to the store and I shopped. I shopped for enough for two weeks so I don't have to leave the house. I've barely left the house uh, for the last two weeks, but I'm here for the long haul. I'm not leaving. I'm doing my podcast for you. I don't need to work. I survive. I make a little bit of money every single week off of this podcast, and that's all I need to live. And if I run out of food, you guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my cast net. I'm going to catch mullet. I'm going to cut those up and try to catch fish that you can eat. But if I can't catch those fish that you can eat, I'll eat the garbage fish. I hate mullet, but I'll eat mullet if I have to. I'm just saying, guys, be careful. The government's not always going to be here for you. You have to protect yourself, and that's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to scare you or try to be some fear monger. I'm not. I want you to be safe because I care about you guys. I love you. I hope you have a nice day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.